You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. So I'm very excited about this series that we're diving into this morning. We finished up James last week, and we're diving now into a six-week series on generosity. And when I think of generosity, there are a number of people who, who come to mind. And one of those people who comes to mind is um, one of my longest friends. He's one of my best friends. His name is Patrick. Um, and he was my college roommate. In fact, Jamie and I just on Friday night went with Patrick and his wife, Melanie, to the Washington County Fair, which was really fun. I haven't been there in years. Nothing like being with 10,000 of your closest friends in 99-degree weather, you know. But it was, it was great. It was really, really fun. And Patrick is a lot of fun. In fact, I found that out when he first became my roommate. It's a long story, and I'll spare you the details, but I I went to school, as did Patrick, at Southern Oregon State down in Ashland, land of Shakespeare. And um, there was a roommate swap that happened between me and another guy, so I inherited Patrick, and my roommate went to live with this other guy in the residence hall that we were in. And as I was getting to know Patrick, I thought, this guy seems like he's got a pretty good sense of humor, so let's, let's test drive that. So one night, when he was going to be home late, I, I bought some itching powder, and it really does work, by the way, and I spread it in his bed and just kind of watched, and, you know, about midnight, don't feel sorry for him, it's Patrick. About midnight, he starts scratching, and I'm over there trying not to laugh, and I can't help myself, and he's just scratching every, it was just, it was fantastic. So... I left for the weekend to go home to see Jamie and my family to come back here to Portland. And so while I was gone, he proceeded to take all of my long sleeve shirts and sew them shut, all the sleeves. I didn't know he could sew. Evidently, he can. And so I got back. None of my clothes worked. And I thought, okay, this is, this is not working. We need, to, we need to join forces, not divide and conquer. So, so you know, we joined forces, and I... I think the statute of limitations has run out. I think we can go back and visit the school now, but um, we just had a lot of fun together. But not only does Patrick have a great sense of humor, he's profoundly generous with his time. Patrick is one of those folks who, if he has something that you need, it's yours. If you need his help with something, he's there. Every move my family has made, wherever Patrick has been, in the zip code or the state, he has come and helped our family move. When I was getting my mom's, ready, my mom's house ready to sell earlier this year, this winter after she had passed away, you know, it was raining this one day and we had to dismantle this really rusty shed that she had. And it was just really, it was a miserable job on a miserable day. And on his own initiative, Patrick came and showed up with his sawzall and helped me in the rain you know, do this work that none of us really wanted to do. And that is, that is so Patrick. And you see, when someone lives like that, when someone is generous, not just with their money or the resources we would usually think of when we think of generosity, but when they're generous with relationship, generous with time, generous with how they serve, it's distinctive. And it should be. Because Jesus' followers should be generous. So, Let's take a moment and talk about the whys of that. In fact, let's talk about the whys behind this series. Let's start with why. Why are we devoting six weeks to this reality of generosity? Well, first, we need to expand our understanding of what generosity actually is. 
I would hazard to guess for most of you, when I said, hey, we're going to have a six-week series on generosity just a couple minutes ago, a number of you thought, oh, this is a series about money. And it's actually not. Now, in fairness, the context of the passage we'll look at is actually about money. And yes, we will talk about money. One week, we'll focus on that. But the other five, we're going to be talking about holistically what generosity really is. Generosity is more than just money, and it's even more than just your stuff and my stuff. It's about time and serving and being generous with relationship and leaving a generous legacy. It's about giving out of abundance, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, that God blesses us with more than we need for most of us because he wants us to share it and to give it and bless others with it, and that's good. But there are times we're called to be generous when it costs us when there's sacrifice involved. And as we really think about this from a worship standpoint, Jesus said, this is a worship issue. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So really, your level of generosity and mine really does illustrate and show who or what it is that we worship who we're following with, with our lives. Because we'll look at this in greater detail as we get deeper in the series. God does not want your money. He wants you. But if he has you, he will have your money. Because you will recognize that everything you have, your money, your time, your relationships, your stuff, it all ultimately belongs to him and is from him. And just so we're on the same page, when it comes to generosity, if you're new to this church family, if you're new in our online community, you're new here in the room, you've you got to understand, this is a generous community. You are one of the most generous communities I've, I've ever known. You're profoundly generous. But, but we, can, we can grow, and we can do even better. Do you realize, and we'll look at this here in a handful of weeks, in the passage that precedes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, do you realize that you and I can grow in our generosity? In fact, the more we follow the example of Jesus, the more we receive his empowerment, you should be growing in your generosity. Are you more generous than you were a year ago? Are you more generous than you were last month? And again, not just talking about money, but just with your life and all that that means. Well, you can be. We'll, we'll learn more about that together. But also, there are a number of you who are, who are new to our church family, and we just want you to know that you're joining a generous community, unapologetically so. And so we unapologetically will call you to take what God has given you and to use it to be a blessing to others. You'll hear that over and over and over again if you're a part of our crew for very long. And yes, this church is profoundly generous with, with their money. If you're a part of our community, we don't expect you to be a spectator. We expect you to be a contributor. To be a part of a community means you invest in the community, you give to the community, you lock arms with the, with the community. And my land, you think about all that this community invests themselves into. I mean, I just quickly flashed the VBS graphic, but you think about that. And, and a couple weeks ago, it wasn't just about giving money. It was giving time and relationship and, and sharing lives. And that's exactly what we should be about. 
And when it comes to giving with our finances, you give to the mission vision budget that I just gave you numbers on, but you give to Backpack Blessings, you give to Advent Conspiracy, you give to Living Water. Several weeks ago, we brought to you a a dire need in South Sudan, and a number of you gave to that, and there's literally people alive today literally have food to eat because of what you gave to South Sudan, and so the story goes. So again, if you're going to be part of our church family here, we're going to unapologetically ask you to give and be generous because of how God has been generous to me and to you. And some of you are probably still not sold yet, and that's okay. We'll get there. Some of you think, oh, I know what this is about. This is a covert or not so covert agenda to increase the giving at grace. And that's really not true. And the reality is that for a number of you, debt is is robbing you of the ability to be financially generous. And that's a really difficult place to be. And and the reality is many of you you were there. According to Dave Ramsey, 78% of families are living paycheck to paycheck in our country. That's, that's such a difficult place to be. And if you don't feel like you can be generous, of, of course that's your frame of, of reference. But we want to help with that as well. This isn't just about getting more resources from you. This is about helping in the best way that we can. A resource that Dave Ramsey offers is called Financial Peace University. I'm hoping we can bring that class back later this year, but there are several here in the community, but it's just practical tools to get out of debt and to be able to manage resources so that you feel like you can be generous. And and really, at the end of the day, you just saw the numbers. We're making budget by, by controlling our expenses, but so we're not in trouble here. That's not why we're doing this series. But we do want to unapologetically continue to grow our resources so we can take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord has for us here in this community. And if that wasn't persuasive enough, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can be, can be generous. Proverbs 22 says that God will bless the person who shares their food with the poor by way of example. God's heart is to to bless us. And again, this isn't the health and wealth nonsense where, you know, there's some teaching out there that says, oh, well, if you give this amount of money, then God promises to give you that much money back and to give you more. Well, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes it does. And again, I'll tell some of these stories in this series, but Jamie and I keep track of the times in our in our lives where God has just answered these amazing prayers, and many of them are provision things that he's done for us, where we have been generous, and in kind, someone has been generous to us. It doesn't always work out that way. That's not always the blessing that God provides, but God always does provide a blessing, and and we'll look at that too. So let's cut to the chase here. Okay, those are the whys of why we're doing this series, so how are we generous? Well, we'll go for an example to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And again, the context here is there were some poor, struggling believers in Jerusalem and a series of non-Jewish churches, the Macedonians, the Corinthians, were called by Paul, challenged by Paul, to gather what resources they could in order to take that to Jerusalem, which was astounding in and of itself because not necessarily Jewish, Jewish believers, but Jews felt that they were spiritually better and superior to those around them. And so for non-Jews to be helping them was like, no one does that. 
but these believers did. And that's the context for what we're about to read, is Paul is, is encouraging them, exhorting them to be generous. And yes, this is talking about financial generosity, but in what we'll see here, he's talking about them being holistically generous, not just with their money, but with their, with their lives. So how do you live a generous life? Well, 2 Corinthians 9, I think I may have said 5, 2 Corinthians 9 will help us with this. And this is what Paul says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, and this is reaching back to the Old Testament, Psalm 112, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And there's a lot swimming around in there. We won't be able to uncover all of it, but we'll be able to look at some of it. And one of the first things out of the gate that it helps us see is that the heart that we have, the attitude that we have of when we give, whatever we're giving, absolutely matters. Motives always matter to God. Always. And when we give, He doesn't want us to do it because we're feeling compelled or even because we're dealing with neurotic guilt versus the life change that comes when we respond to God in repentance, when He asks us to change something and then we respond to that. Yes, but out of compulsion and guilt, no. That's how not to give. When we have the opportunity to give, he wants us to give not because we have to, but because we want to. And this was illustrated really powerful to me um, this last week. So our son, Kylan, and Emily Anderson are going to be getting married in September. And um, Emily has this clothes washer that hasn't been working right, and just it's, it's on its way out. And so they needed a clothes washer. And so Emily happened to be looking at um, Grace Helping Grace, which is a page that we created for Facebook when we were all in quarantine a couple years ago. And it's a great way to connect to those who have something to give away or something that's needed. And it's just, it's been wonderful to have. It blesses not only our community, but the larger community. But all that being said, she connected with a family here at Grace who said, oh, we have a washer we're giving away to anyone who needs it. And she said, boy, we could use it. And so my son and I went out there in my truck to get it, and I didn't know where we were going or who this was, and we drive up to this home, and it turns out it's Dave and Brenda Christensen. And Dave is one of our, one of our elders. 
And they've been doing some remodeling, and so here's this washer and a microwave and a, a fridge and just all these appliances, and they could be selling them, and they're choosing to give them away. And they're doing it with joy. And I thought, man, that is so inspiring to me and so distinctive. Who does that? Jesus followers do that. That's the kind of generosity that we want to be about. And there's some amazing promises in here when it comes to being generous, and this is one of them. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. This, as we talked about earlier, reaches back to Psalm 112. And I love this psalm. I've been reading it all week. It's describing a righteous person, and a righteous person is someone who is godly and wise and generous. That's the hallmark of of someone who's mature in Christ. And the reality that Paul is talking about here in the context is God will give us what we need to accomplish His will. Now, again, this is not the health and wealth nonsense of, okay, he's going to give you, you give him $100, he'll always give you 1000 back. You know, that's not what this is saying. It's, it's far bigger than, than money. This is talking about God giving us what we need to accomplish his, his will. This is about trusting our God to meet our needs through himself. When I was in school, not only did I have a lot of fun with itching powder and other things, but I actually had um, a, a great ministry because it was just this opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. And my best conversations with the Lord always happened after midnight. That's about when things got started with, with having spiritual conversations with people. And, of course, I'm in school. And so I always had to constantly balance, okay, I'm not going to be able to study for this the way I, I really think I want to and need to. But here is a divine moment, a divine opportunity to talk to someone about the Lord. What's, what's the choice here? And I, I faced that tension constantly. And what the Lord taught me in those years was, okay, I may not get an A or the grade I was looking for, but he would give me what I need to, to get done what I need to get done. But this priority of this person was more important for my time. And again, there's wisdom that needs to be applied to all this. But all that being said, I recognized and realized over time that those times where I was sacrificing time or having to make a choice about doing something versus being with someone or or having a chance to give to someone, it just seemed like time and time again, God always met me in some way and things worked out and it was fine. And it was so gratifying to me when we were visiting our, our youngest at grad school in Idaho a couple of weeks ago, and I told some of you about that trip. But that was a realization she's come to as well. She's had a dynamic ministry when she was at U of O and now here at Idaho State. And when someone needs her time, she freely gives it. And yes, sometimes that means she doesn't study as long as she can or, or thinks she should, but somehow it always just seems to work out, and our God is like that. He gives you what you need to accomplish his will. But this is also a reality that, that we're called to generosity. And, and these words could actually be translated blessedly. Whoever sows blessedly will also reap blessedly. You see, we, we respond to the blessing of God by being a blessing to others. And we've, and we've talked about that. But there's just so many opportunities to do that. 
You know, I think any good parent has regrets because you love your kids, because you want what's best for them. And in hindsight, as you look over whatever years you're looking over, you think, oh, I could have done that better. Or, oh, I could have done that differently. I I don't know that I've talked to an engaged, loving parent who doesn't wish they would have done something differently in some way, some shape, some form. But something that I think Jamie and I actually did right that I'm grateful for, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm proud of, is that in our discipleship of our kids, we taught them the value of generosity. And I'll never forget this defining moment where one of our kids had, was like four years old and we'd given them this pack of gum. And the first thing they did was not only take a piece for themselves, but they shared it with their brother and sister. And then they handed it out to their friends. And I thought, that's, yes, yes. I wanted to stand up and cheer. Because so often we think and we're told and we're um, influenced by our culture around us that if you get something, you hang on to it. It's yours. And yet God's heart is that we would share and that we would be a blessing to others. So as we embark on this, this study of these next six weeks, I would ask you this. How many of you have ever prayed for more so that you could give it away? You ever prayed a prayer like that? God, would you give me more money? Not just for me, but so I can be a blessing to somebody. God, would you, would you help me manage my time? You, everyone has 24 hours. You're not going to necessarily give us more time, but would you, would you give me more opportunity to use my time to be a blessing to others? You know, I have some friends who really buy into this, believe it, and live it out. And, you know, through some unexpected resources that came their way through an estate, they were able to pay off their house early. And so they began to save the money that they normally made towards a mortgage payment to what they call their blessing fund. And their goal was to accrue enough over time to really drop a major blessing on someone financially. And so they have some neighbors who happen to not know the Lord, who they love and they've been praying for and, and they've been struggling financially. And so these friends of mine unexpectedly said, hey, we'd like to have you guys over for dinner. And so they did. And then they gave them this check. And it was a big one. And said, you know what? God has blessed us. We want to be a blessing to you. There's no strings attached to this. You use this however you want. But just recognize this isn't just from us. This is from God. This is from the Lord. And he's pursuing you. Because he's that kind of God. He's a generous God. And I was so moved by that. And I thought, I want to do that. I want to skin in the game with that. I want to be a part of that. And it was inspiring to me because they understand that they've been blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And talk about distinctive. And that's what this passage is all about, is living distinctively. By serving others, we actually create worship because people are appreciative, and, and maybe they recognize that it's God reaching into their lives through someone else, and that's basically what Paul is, is talking about here. You want to live distinctively, you be generous. Be a generous person, especially in this broken world that continually tells us you don't have enough, you need more, what you have isn't good enough. People who live generously are distinctive. We have some neighbors who just, they're fantastic. We love them. They're, they're, they're just, 
so generous and such a blessing to everybody around him. And Jamie and I take our dogs for a walk. Um, some days, with it being 9,900 degrees, maybe not, but most days we do. And we take our dogs for a walk, and of course, when you take dogs for a walk, they do what dogs do. And so we have bags, to, you know, to pick that up, and we usually walk the same route. In fact, we always do. So when they do their thing early in the walk, you know, we bag it up and leave it because we'll come back for it like 5, 10, 15 minutes later. Well, we have to be careful how and when we do that because these neighbors of ours who are so generous and so gracious, if they see those bags and they don't necessarily know they're ours, they just pick them up. And there have been a number of times Jamie and I have come back on the same route and we can't find the bags. And it's like, okay, we know someone didn't take it and keep it, right? <laughs> so where'd it go? And it took us a while to realize it's our neighbors. Who does that? Okay, let's be direct. Who goes around picking up poop bags from other people's dogs? Jesus followers do because they serve. And these folks are, are Jesus followers. Again, generosity of any kind is distinctive. And the reason we live like this is because of this reality. It's because of the grace of God. Generosity remembers the grace of God for motivation and empowerment. Grace of God, God's unmerited, freely given love for the sake of right relationship with him and right relationship with others. But sometimes we forget the second part. The second part of grace, though, biblically, is empowerment to live and serve and love others the way God has loved us. And if you want the gold standard of generosity, if you want inspiration, if you want motivation for generosity, then you look no further than Jesus. This is in the chapter that precedes what we just read. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news of, of Jesus Christ? I mean, let's go there for a minute. What did Jesus have in heaven? Everything. Glory. Preeminence. Power. Community. Unity. With the Father and the Holy Spirit, he had absolutely everything that anyone could want or have. And he left all of it because of what he didn't have. What didn't he have? You. And he didn't have me. And he hadn't yet fulfilled the divine rescue plan that he had always promised was going to happen. That someday one would come who would impoverish himself, be born to an unmarried teenage peasant girl in a backwater town, would grow up basically in poverty, would be homeless, but through his example would show what life was really meant to be about, not about getting stuff and acquiring stuff, but about loving others and be a blessing to others and having joy through that. And then after being the ultimate example of the spirit-filled life, would then sacrifice himself on a cross, face an excruciating, humiliating, shameful death, be buried, and on the third day rise to new life, and somehow, by all that, 
would take the brokenness of each and every one of us who would choose to respond to His grace and receive Him into our lives as our Lord and Savior, and in its place, take our sin and our selfishness and our brokenness, and in exchange, give us His power for right living with Him and with other people. This is the God who impoverished Himself in order to be a blessing to us. When you and I begin to understand God's grace, it empowers us. It inspires us. You begin to realize that you have a lot to be thankful for. And when his word says, be thankful always, you really can. Because you recognize, you get what God has given to you each day. You recognize the blessings he's given to you. But it also creates in us an expectation of empowerment and provision for the, for the future. Because at the end of the day, life is not about getting rich. It's about being rich in Jesus Christ. Many of you have heard this story, but I come back to it because it really was a defining moment for me. But I got to go on a short-term missions trip to Bolivia with some folks from here. It was a business's mission trip. We were working on business plans and stuff with the missionaries we had in the country at the time. And just all that being said, um, Bolivia is the poorest country in all of Latin America. I had never seen poverty like that, and it, it in a very necessary way, broke me. And I've never seen what I have, what we have in our country ever the same way again. And I mean that in the best possible way. It's made me very grateful and very thankful. But one of the things that was inspiring to me and empowering to me was here are these people who by our standards as Americans have nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Desperately poor. And yet they hosted us for a meal on the final week that we were there. And what we learned later, and they never talked about this, our, 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 our guide, our interpreter, um, helped us understand this later because it was so moving to him. But in preparation for that meal, because resources were so scarce and so difficult, a number of the adults cut their meal intake back to one or two meals a day for that week in order to acquire enough food and money to feed all of us. And they lavished us with this just, it was an amazing, amazing dinner. We just, we felt so spoiled and so, and so loved. And then after the fact, learned that they had denied themselves and sacrificed their own food in order to be generous towards us. And I remember having this conversation with the Lord on that long flight back here. And I remember saying, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to be that generous. And I'll never forget what the Spirit impressed on my heart. He said, you can. You can be that generous. And I said, but I want what they have. And the Spirit reminded me again, you do. Because you have me. My friends, one of the outcomes that I'm praying for and hoping for from this series is that through the transformational power of God's Word, through the empowerment of His Holy Spirit, you and I will emerge from this series in the next six weeks more generous with our time, with our money, with our stuff, with our relationships, with our priorities. 
Because we can. As our worship team comes and as we respond to, to God's word, God's grace inspires us and empowers us to live the life that he calls us to. We can do this. We can do this. We should do this because of what Jesus has done for us. This next song talks about falling down at the feet of Jesus, and that's really where this journey begins, is recognizing our need for him and responding to his grace, the free gift of himself to us if we'll just respond and receive him into our lives. So let's, let's remember that, and let's act on that now together. And he is, amen, he is good. He is the one true God, he is the good God. And worship is when we respond to what he has done for us. That's, that's all worship really is. And so as you think about his goodness to you, as you think about how he has been good to you, how will you then be loving to someone else? You willing to pray a dangerous prayer with me today? Will you ask God for the opportunity to be generous today to someone in some way? Because in Proverbs, as it does in so many places in God's word, it gives us this promise that a generous person will prosper. Who, uh, whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. Do you believe that? Then let's go live that. Lord, I pray for each one of us, including myself, that you would give us the opportunity in your name to be generous to someone else. Not so that we'll get credit or recognition or even a thank you but out of worship and love for you and what you've done for each one of us, will you give us that opportunity today? And would you help us to remember your goodness to us? Thank you that you love us, that you've given yourself for us, that you became poor so that we might become rich. So would we live that out now in Jesus' name? And God's people said, amen. Hope to see you next weekend. Go and be generous. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.